Hello and welcome to Inclusion Podcast. I'm Chantelle Doucette. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to part one of Who Am I? I'm joined today by Paul Anson Walsh hey. and Andre Redmore. Looking forward to this conversation. I hope you are too. Inclusion. 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 Inclusion podcast by the Centre for Inclusive Leadership. Welcome, Andre. Welcome, Paul. Really good to have you both together here. Um, so that really big existential question we're going to do in two parts. Mm. It needs a while. I love these podcasts. Who am I? What does that mean? If I say that to you, what, what do you think in terms of like, who am I? What does that question bring up for you? I mean, I think the first thing that comes up is, and this is often what people say in answer to this, is what do I do? Mm. What are the things that I do? So if somebody was to ask me at a party, let's say, um, tell me about yourself. Or if I go to the hairdressers, this is a common question. So what, what do you do then? You know, what job do you do? But for me, it's a bit tricky because I could say, well, I'm a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a minister in the Church of England. <laughs> I'm uh, a writer. Yeah. I've made films. I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. And I now work for this company that helps people with the whole area of inclusion. So that's six I am's. Yeah, and that's just off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus only had seven. So you're, you're one, you must be one short, I think. <laughs> so so that, that, in a way, kind of says its own story that yeah. that this thing of it's what you do mm. is is somewhat limited I think as an answer. I think it is because I've really wrestled with that. I know you've you've reeled off like a menu of things and mm. I could do the same thing. Mm. You know, I could absolutely, you know, the who am I question would have been lots of different things before uh, in terms of just like work job that, jobs that I've been doing. Um and then more recently and what it kind of feels like now, even though I do more than just that, obviously, is that of writer. Mm. And that, that's, so that was kind of, what are you? Who are you? Oh, I'm a writer. But that felt much more transient, much more easy to kind of connect to than, you know, oh, I'm a DJ or like, you know, I'm an actor or I don't know. Something about writing felt a bit more fluid and easier to kind of have as an identity. Because it's forever, you know, if you write, you write, you write forever. It's kind of a thing that you have. But then that started to feel really difficult as an identity because what I noticed was, like with everything, you know, if I get a commission or if I was being pulled into a discussion with a production company because they liked a story idea or whatever that was, then I was a writer. Mm. I was really a writer. And then as soon as I wasn't in a room or I wasn't getting an email or just it went quiet, I wasn't anything. Mm. And that was really tough. So it was really, this is a massive gulf between the two, the two states. And for me, psychologically, just not sustainable at all. Mm. Just not. I think that kind of really highlights something, which is that oftentimes this question about who I am 
uh, is linked to identity and identity is often linked to social context. Mm. So it's sort of, it's more than this, but it sort of depends on who we're talking to at any given moment. Mm. Because clearly we move between roles. Sometimes we might be in one role in one kind of conversation. So my conversations with my uh, family might be different in some respects to the conversations I have with, say, a psychotherapy client or a coaching client. They might, there might be a lot of crossover, but it will be some sense mm. of difference. And I think that the, the question for me about identity really is who am I in my base notes? Who am I at the bottom of all of this? Mm. What, what is underneath these kind of shifting roles which are quite influenced by the culture mm. and by the relationships that we're in at the time? Yeah. I think that's, I think it's right. And it's interesting because I think that those personas as well that we assume, they might not necessarily simply just change you might have one persona or identity with the family and one mm. persona and identity in, the, in somewhere else in the mm. psychotherapy clients. They might also be sufficiently chameleonized that they are identities that I think will gain me acceptance and belonging in a particular group. Mm. So it might be, there might be, for example, a greater level of social cachet value to Chantal to define herself as a writer in a circle where she wants to move than a DJ. They, they, so there may, there, may, there may be some sort of... Um, status management that's sitting behind that as well. But I think you called it right in the first place, which is this idea of saying, and I think it's so important to say that what I do does not define who I am. And I think you kind of got to start there. So if it's right to say that what I do doesn't define who I am, but rather who I am defines what I do, then we need to kind of do some unworking of stuff mm. because What's interesting even about the conversation we've had so far is that these personas are all labels and identities that we, we are either given or take. So, for example, you identify as Andre, you identify as Chantal, I identify as Paul. But if I was called Jimmy and you were called David mm. and you were called Mary, would you be somebody else? No. <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be the same. You'd still be you, right? But, yeah. But you've been given an identifier called yeah. Chantal, but that's only what you're called. Exactly. Right? So, so you're not your name. That, mm -hmm. we, that we, could be, we could be okay with that, right? So now if you're a psychotherapist or an Anglican minister or a radio host, if you weren't doing any of those things, who, would you still be you? Mm. So those are not then, so you're not those either. Those are simply experiences that you've had. So, am I my thoughts? Am I my uh, no? No. So no. I think you. I think you. To your base note point, Andre, mm. we've got so distracted by stuff and the things that we're doing that we have no clue about who we actually are. For sure, we don't. So, if I wasn't called Paul, I'd still be me. That must be right, right? And when I look into the mirror. Who does the looking? Mm. Who's doing that? When I'm having the conversation in my head, who the hell's having that conversation? Who's hearing it? Or is it just me who's having those conversations yeah. in my head? I think, I think that's, for me, where it kind of starts to land is who's looking at this stuff? <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> who's seeing what's who's seeing? going on? Who sees when you see? Who's the witness? Well, this is it. And that's the word. Because I, have, I don't use witness. I love that term. I've, I've 
it, I find it really helpful as a way in, especially thinking in terms of, um, you know, when we think about meditation. And so having witness is really helpful in that context as well. But I think because of the things that you've said that I've heard about, you know, it's not uh, what you do that defines who you are. It's the other way around. So that wrestle that I was having between what's my worth mm. being linked, my worth being linked to what I do mm. and that being connected to how much interest I get around that. Mm. I've let that go actually. So nice. if someone asks me, who am I? And I say, I don't quite know what it is yet because I haven't quite got there with the language, but I think it's consciousness, awareness, something, having an experience in this body. But I don't know what it means. Yeah, but you see, I think this is really important. And I think this ties really well to our work because I think that what's interesting about the work we do is, or certainly a body of the work we do, is we talk a lot about the idea of unconscious bias. And the notion is that people are behaving in ways that they are not necessarily choosing, that they are not necessarily conscious of. And the notion of being conscious or unconscious is the idea of essentially, if you want, being asleep, you know, not to being aware. And I think there's a much bigger issue at stake. And I think the really big issue is it's not so much that we have to just worry about the idea of unconscious bias. I mean, I've said this before, so forgive the repetition, but I think we have a bias towards unconsciousness. Mm. And I think we have a very deeply rooted bias towards unconsciousness. It's almost like we prefer to be asleep, we prefer to not be awake and alive and sentient and feeling stuff. Because I think that when you really pull it, pull at the thread, if you pull hard enough at the who is watching, if you pull hard enough at who is behind the name, then you can only come, you can only come to the reality that you are the watcher, you are the one who witnesses, you are witness consciousness, you can't, you can't be anybody else. I think that's tricky for people because what the hell is, what does that mean? Yeah, and I think mm. I really agree with that. And, and and for me, it's how you get to that place. It's the deconstruction that's necessary from that narrative that I am this or I am that or, or I am my name. And it's for me, I've had to go through quite a process of deconstructing from that because those things had value. Those things brought me value and they gave me worth. They had a kind of, they could be cashed out in approval from Yeah, no, people. for sure. They've they, for sure. You know, all sorts of good things sure. came from it. But the problem with that is you then depend on that response to in order to feel okay. Yeah. And that's very unreliable. And can I press you on that? Because I think they cash out and they pay a dividend in the world of unconsciousness, mm -hmm. right? But actually when you come back the other way, you, you there's, a, there's, a, there's a different issue because what I think is potentially quite an interesting thought is that We've been talking and we talk a lot about inclusion because that's obviously our driver. And what we are dealing with the whole time is social identities and people talking about representation and their particular social identity and, 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 and yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, if the reality is that, let's do me, being a biracial uh, cisgender male um, is a, a number of the social identities that I possess, they're actually not necessarily social identities. They are, ex in the sense that we're talking about, they're experiences that I'm having. And if they're experiences that I'm having, and actually the essence of who I am is actually consciousness, well, the reality we're gonna have to come to shortly then is that the experiences that you're having underneath which are consciousness, and the experiences that you're having underneath which are consciousness, how many consciousnesses are there? Mm. 
Mm. There's only one consciousness, isn't there? There's only one universal consciousness, of which would kind of suggest to me that yeah. our whole inclusion conversation is just yeah. trying to say <laughs> that we are just one, aren't we? Isn't, I, that what yeah. we? isn't that ultimately where we have to go with this? Yeah, which is, I mean, which is incredibly counter culture. Like it goes so against the culture of individualism and everything being about an identity and really leaning into whatever that is or being completely defined by yeah, it. Okay. So, but I think it's needed in order to just loosen things up a little bit so that there's some space for, I think, individuals to be liberated to just have the experience of whatever it is that they're walking through. Uh, completely. You know, uh, and, and have completely. some empowerment and some agency yeah, over that. Completely. And also just that, at that deeper level, that real connection between everybody. But wouldn't, wouldn't, sorry, Andre, you're coming in, excuse me. Uh, no, uh, I was just thinking of this from a therapeutic point of view that probably for me, most of the work of therapy is helping create circumstances where people can encounter all that, un some of that unconscious bias, but uh, and also I'd say unconscious stories about who they are, who other people are, and what the world is. Because without, and, and bringing that into consciousness, I suppose, engaging with that, tends to reveal that they're just stories. They might be reactions to situations the big that story, happen, right? the, but they're yeah. still just stories mm, and they're mm. not the bottom line base note. Mm, mm, so, mm. But the journey seems to be to kind of have that kind of deconstruction of, oh, I thought I was this, but maybe it's not that. But why did I think that? Oh, in my case, because I was very much uh, experiencing rejection when I was younger, I was mm. adopted at birth. Mm. Mm. Didn't connect to my birth, my uh, genet my non-genetic family either. So I had lots of not attached kind of experiences. So for me, my story was: I've got to do everything myself. I've got to uh, make myself popular mm -hmm. <laughs> by doing whatever it takes to make people laugh. <laughs> Sounds very to make familiar. Make people happy with me, or yeah. make them feel that I'm helping them. And not be rejected by them, and and uh, no, at any under cost, not any, be rejected and under no circumstances. Yeah. yeah, no, completely. I think this is so problematic, you know, because the story that we find ourselves in, or perhaps the stories that we've been given or assumed, these aliases that we've we've assumed, what they the real problem for me is they perpetuate this idea of the kind of illusion of separation that somehow that mm. there are them and there are those. Mm. Whereas actually, it seems to me that the real heart of this, and, 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 and by the way, the whole idea of inclusion podcast is it's designed to be experimental and we just kind of mm. put ideas out there. We're not, it's not doctrine, we're, 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 we're talking, right? But at, at its root is the idea of saying that inclusion for me is about oneness. It's about that extraordinary shared oneness of identity. I am this. And you've been, I mean, you've been thinking quite a lot about this. You wrote an article, in fact. Yeah, I did, yeah. A, I did a piece in our newsletter a few months ago where I was thinking about this idea of who I am, mm -hmm. who am I, because it's really one of the things I do at conferences, as some people will know, is that I'll always start the conferences, or often start the conferences, by this kind of declaration. Um, perhaps I've been in the church too long, right, with these declarations about I am the right person. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of really interesting to see what people do with that because they, when they start with it, they're a bit hesitant and a bit, you know, whatever. But once they start to loosen up to it, it's important. But what I'm wanting them to do, apart from to own the affirmation, 
is you're the right person as you are. You're not the right person because you are someone or someone or someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I am someone to sort of invoke the I am in them because I have this kind of idea that there's a latency of the I am, that divine source of life and love that is in all humanity, which is my fundamental belief. Um, but it's really interesting, and you see when that builds, it's it's very it's very interesting. But I think what's happened is that so many people, and we do this in our way, and you do it in the in the therapeutic space, and you do it in your craft as a as a writer and an actor and so forth, is that this notion of what I'm trying to do is saying, how can I give people back to themselves? And part of the way we give people back to themselves so they can declare that I am the right person. And this thing ends with this great crescendo where they turn to the neighbor and say, and you are the right person too. And it's so beautifully affirming, but it's about saying, you're okay, you're enough. Who you are is essential and that's what we want. Because, because of this way we do this um, appropriation of story and this got to have more of this and, and this what do I doery that we go on with each other. We all kind of, I think, too often try to end up thinking to ourselves that I'd be, I'd be more acceptable if I had more than, if I was more like Andre, if I was less like me, if I had a little bit more of that, and if I could only add this and plus that uh, and minus this. And it's just, it's just, we need to stop that because we just want to get to that authentic version of who you are and take that real declaration that you're the right person right as you are right now. But I think that the, the problem with the storytelling and the narratives that we've given ourselves, you've a great example. I can think of five things that just shape our image. Mm. And actually, there is a really important thing to be able to, to unpack because I think there's a, a conversation about identity. And I think my identity is, is, is instant. Whether I, whether I forget it or not is another question, but I think my identity is instant. But then I think there is self-image, how I see myself, and self-image, how I feel about myself. And I think I'm so overwhelmed by my self-image and my self-esteem that I lose the sense of who I actually am. And if I can't prop up those two, then somehow my identity is under threat. But I think the identity is not, rather than being under threat, I think it's, I think it's the great forgotten truth. Mm. I mean, as you're talking, I was thinking in terms of three parts. And maybe that's because I, it's just the way my brain kind of works um, t- in terms of story, because that's what sure, I was doing. Sure. But it made me think of the, the things that we, because there are five aspects that you talk about, um, which we, uh, we'll, see, we'll, talk, we'll talk about those. But there's a, there's, it's three parts, isn't it? It's, it's construction, deconstruction, reconstruction. reconstruction. Yeah, yeah. Mm. In terms of the life journey. Sure. So you have to sure. go through all of, you have to go through that whole construction to be deconstructed so that you get back to where you need to be. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I really agree with that. And I think that three-part process is, is just inside any kind of real change. And by real change, I'm actually thinking about the reconstruction being a recovery Mm. of what was already there. Mm. Mm. Which is what you're saying you come yeah, in with. I think, yeah. reco- I think, that's, I think yeah. that's right. I think that is right. Because I, I think it's about, again, playing with words a bit, I think it's about being reminded mm-hmm. of who you are. It's about the idea of a reformation of who you are. And I think that deformation of who we are is because of all this. I, mean, I talk about the idea of this sort of shoulding rubble that's been put on top of us. And I, and I kind of end up feeling to myself it's a little bit like a sort of archaeological dig. 
that, you know, I started out, I came into the world as this clean spirit. And, and I think it's worth just saying this, that in my mind, and this is one of my tangles with the with my spiritual world, they kind of, what they sold me was this idea, come to this charismatic Disneyland and you'll be this human that can have some spiritual experiences. And I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. Um, but actually what I figured out was, um, apart from the fact I was never gonna be tall enough to go on any of the rides, what I actually found out was, no, that's not right. I'm not a human who's in search of spiritual experience. Mm. I'm a spirit who's having a human experience. Mm. And actually, once I flipped that round, that mm. felt very helpful to me because I could now say, what's the experience I'm having? Well, the experience I had is, I'm biracial, I'm born at this particular time, I was mm. raised in an orphanage, I can go on and on and on and on, right? Um, but there's a purpose to that, which seems to me much more helpful if I do it that way around, I guess. Yeah, mm. definitely. I mean, I think, I think that it's, it's so easy to make one's identity conditional on something. Oh, my word. Because it can be conditional on response of other people, for one thing, or what we might deem as success of some sort. But actually, I, I do agree that at the bottom of all of it, I kind of think we kind of know who we are, but we've just forgotten. I absolutely believe that. I absolutely believe that. And you know what? I think the greatest parable for humanity is the story of Sleeping Beauty. Mm. I think that is the absolute... I mean, you and I, so you remember we talked about playing with that, that yeah. a few years ago, we were playing around with that as a, as a narrative. Mm. But the idea that we were kind of pricked by the spindle of kind of shouldism and the whole, we fell into this deep sleep. And we've been walking around in this deep sleep state ever since. But one day, through whatever it has, and maybe calamity, maybe crisis, who's to say, you were kissed by the, the, the prince of identity and you, you wake up and go, oh my goodness, this is, this is who I actually am. And, uh, and the great thing about that is that when you wake up, the whole castle wakes up as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and yeah. I think, it's, you know, I think there's some beautiful uh, metaphor there. I think there's some beautiful stuff to explore in all of that. But I do think, I do think you're right. I think that notion for me about us sort of sleepwalking, that's why I say we've got a bias towards unconsciousness, because I think we walk through life just asleep. Yeah, I, I, I think where it ends up for me at the end of the story, and I'm talking about general kind of story, mythic yeah, yeah, yeah. parameters, is that there is a kind of an awakening feeling at the end of all of it. And it may be, you know, in the classic kind of movie stories, for example, it may be a partial awakening, like one aspect of life has now come online for the person. Oh, that's a nice phrase. But it could be, you know, more than that. But whatever it is, it generally, certainly in mythic storytelling, will lead to opening up for the community. So we yeah. then move from that personal identity being rediscovered to the trigger effect that it has on the community's Very identity yeah, to fair. find itself as well. And so it's always kind of, for me, coming back to a, something to do with service and flow from the personal to the interpersonal. Mm. That's really nice. Really nice. I really like that. So we've already touched on one of the, the five um, themes that you talk, to, talk about in your piece. Um, the other four... I can't remember from memory. I'm no, so sorry, not but... at all. No, but I, it was the point you were making earlier about the archaeological dig, right? Yeah. And I was suggesting to you that you've almost got to kind of burrow down through these different layers. So, I mean, I don't know, you put them in whatever order you want, but mm. I think that mm. one layer that I've got to deal with is, is the parental influence. Mm -hmm. And 
you and I share a story, right? In mm. so much as some people are influenced by the fact that their parents raised them, other people are influenced by the fact their parents didn't. But one way or another, that is a narrative now that I've got to deal with. And, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll be working with that narrative and that story for probably my whole life. I think there's something about, in addition to parental influence, something is life experiences. Mm -hmm. So we have experiences that become narrative and that now becomes another layer that I've got to dig down into. I think there's another layer that might be to do with unwise comparisons that I might be telling myself stories about. I have this ridiculous tendency to find the people that are the best in the world at something and then I have no particular skill in that and then feel sorry for myself because I can't measure up, mm. you know. Mm. Um, I think there's something about unreasonable and unobtainable standards. That's another story that we put up on ourselves. Um, and that particularly comes driving out from the uh, maybe the parent story. And then I think another layer that you would have to think about is the layer, maybe this is the most encrusted of them all, the self-talk layer, because the fact is that the things I say to myself and I talk to myself about and you know, when this other person is with me talking in my head, you know, who the hell is that? Having these conversations with me about why I should do this and why didn't I do that? And if only you look like this and if only you were this and so on. So I think all these things have this kind of, I don't know if the archaeological idea works, but you take my point about these sort of layers mm. and I've got to kind of, it feels like I've got to dig down right between the, into the subsoil and get all the way through that parental noise, those unreasonable standards, that self-talk, all through that and through the, you know, the, 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 all that stuff. And go, oh, there you are. <laughs> right? and, and there I am is conscious awareness. I think over the years that I've come really to the position that a lot of this is, is about going through those layers and then that is enough. Once you've gone through those layers and once those things have been kind of surfaced and they're not kind of driving everything anymore, I think the natural, true self, for want of a better word, just pops up. But I think this is the point we're making at the beginning, right? And I know we're coming fairly quickly to a close, but this is what we said, right? If To take your point, that if I've, if I've made the space, um, if I've made the whole, if you like, there's a lovely song. Do you remember the Leonard Cohen song, The Anthem? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It said, everything is cracked because that's the way that the light gets in. And I thought to myself, when I was looking at that song not long ago, I thought, actually, the greater truth is not everything is cracked in order that's the way the light gets in, but everything is cracked because that's the way the light gets out. Mm. So actually what happens is that everything ultimately must get broken so that so the me can emerge. And when the me emerges, I'm now in this space of it's not what I do that defines who I am. Mm. Now the genie's out the bottle. Now who I am is defining what I do. So now Chantel writes because she's a writer. Right? That's, that's, in, that's in her soul. That's in her expression of her, of her identity. Do you see what I'm saying? And so, you, so you get a very different, it's a very different piece, I think. Completely different. And just, just, uh, just off the back of what you're saying there, Paul, I can't help but think that when the light shines through, it's probably been shining through in the past in our history from time to time when we have these kind of magic moments. That's, that's really nice. When something yeah, that's comes really out nice. and we go, oh my gosh, I feel so alive. Is that's the, really and these are nice. clues, these are forerunners of what we're talking about. I really like that. And, and you know, it's, it's funny because I, I, I'm, off, I'm offering this to the therapist, so you'll have to help me with this. But I wouldn't mind taking a wager 
that if I could talk to my three, four-year-old self, let's say, and what was I dreaming of? What did I see, mm. right? Mm. Then I guess I wouldn't mind betting that the things that are really intrinsic to who I am were already nascent. They're really formed. I might have been talking. I might have, I might have really been bossing everybody about. I might have really been in charge. I might have really mm. whatever it is. Mm. But then I can, I can remember moments of being closed down. For example, I can remember where I was a, as a young person. I, my great thing is the first, my first dreams. I wanted to be an actor. I remember that very well. But I remember going to acting class or what was called classic or whatever it was called at school and the teacher I remember saying I remember him distinctly saying to me because we had to sign our names and I had this very florid fabulous signature he said you think you are and you just completely shut that down yeah. and I remember that just closed yeah 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 so the lights the lights gone yeah and you can go on and on and on but what I'm saying is I think before the noise before the rain came before the noise happened before the cloud covered us I think that there was, I was already there in my true essence, but ex life experience and all those things then shooted on me. And I kind of had a big problem with that because I do love the notion, Andre, that, and it never ceases to amaze me that when you travel, you know, you can leave the ground and it's gray and it's overcast and cloudy. But once you break through the cloud, mm. it's just glorious. And I think hopefully, what we're trying to do with our inclusion conversations is break through the clouds so you can be in the clear blue and be who you are. Yeah, yeah, feels totally. Like a, feels like a nice place to, mm. to pause as a live end, keep that one open. I love the idea of the, the, the light already being there. Yeah. You know, that the, the cracks are there for the light to come out yeah. and that there being clues when you have moments of that light coming through in mm. different times in our lives and that experience of like breaking through the cloud and being in that blue sky so thank you this has been a, such an interesting conversation still okay with it ready to join us on the part two yeah yeah, yeah great That's like fun. <laughs> thank you so much it's been really wonderful thank you thank you so much for joining us on part one of who am i uh, looking forward to seeing you on the inclusion podcast for the part two thank you so much take care